Good evening, church. We are in the glory land way, aren't we? That means we're on our way home. <laughs> that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful... How come when I said that, no one, no one said, you? No, just kidding. On our way home. That, that someone said, everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to go now. <laughs> it's good to see you tonight. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Our gracious and merciful Heavenly Father, thank you for your separateness, for your grace and for your love. Thank you for being there for us, for seeing all and knowing all and being all. And we just are thankful that you know us and you recognize us. Help us, Lord God, to be the people you would have us to be. Bless us tonight that our worship will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Help us to keep our minds focused only on you. And help us, Lord God, to, to do what you would want us to do throughout this week. Bless us, Lord God, to stay away from sin, but to live for you in all things. In Jesus' holy and precious name. We pray and thank thee if it be thy will. Amen. When you read the Genesis account, um, chapter 1 and chapter 2, it, 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 there's something missing. And what's missing is sin. Think about that. The only two chapters in the whole Bible uh, that's missing the horrifically devastating word sin. And God had a lot of things to say about chapter 1 and chapter 2, the review of the creation and the creation account. But one thing that God says is in verse 31. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So what made all this, this earth and everything about it, the humans, and what makes everything very good? The absence of sin. But where there's sin, there's nothing more than destruction. The imperfect, uh, the perfect world rather becomes the imperfect world. But imagine the beauty of a sinless life with God. Just think about that. I know Genesis 2 and verse 15, we read it like this. I don't know how to read it. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to think about one thing, but I don't know how to read Genesis 2 and verse 15. It says, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat or eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. But I believe that maybe there, there's some contextual conversation that's happened that we don't, we don't get to understand or we're not privy to. To where God didn't just, just out of nowhere just say to Adam, uh, here, here's the tree. And God may have told him so many other things there. So much more could have gone on to gain a true understanding of the accuracy of the conversation between God and Adam. At this particular point in time in creation, we, we're not privy to. We don't get to, we don't get to read that. We don't, we don't get to experience that sinless relationship because we're sinful people. In verse 25, I want you to think about this. is the perfect conversations that God has with Adam and in chapter 2 after the creation. He, this perfect conversation that he has with Adam and also with Eve. 
And they commune with each other and they're in fellowship one with another. They have a perfect relationship. Think about that for a moment. God and man in a perfect relationship. There's no sin, church. And in verse 25, the Bible says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. There was nothing to be ashamed of. Think about that. Nothing they said, nothing they've done. Nothing. And God could show up and they wouldn't, they wouldn't have to hide themselves. Everything was great. You see, that's what God planned for us. But that's not what God gets from us. When you look and think about nakedness, there's, there's far more to it in verse 25. You know, that the man and the, the woman were both naked and were not ashamed. And you go, okay, well, what is that really? But that, that's, there's more to it than, than just being nude. It's not, it's not really even, I mean, it's, it's there. And yes, without a shadow of a doubt, that's what the text is speaking of. But it's talking about something even far greater and deeper than just mere nudity. It has a sense of being totally open. And, and exposed as a person could stand open and exposed before God without any shame. A man could stand openly exposed before God without, without having to hide himself. And sin does something to us. It exposes stuff, right? It just exposes us. Even, even the things that aren't, aren't a reality. And what I mean by that is, you, you look in the mirror in the morning, and you think about what you see, Well, you say, oh, look at all my flaws. And then we try to fix them, right, before we leave. Maybe, maybe there aren't as many flaws as you think there are, but because of sin, we see ourselves in a different light. We, we see ourselves in a, in a shameful way. Because we are desiring to be appealing to others, and that in itself is a lost cause. <laughs> I mean, everyone has a different opinion about different people. And so you think about this relationship with God. How many of us look into the mirror and say, you know, God will be pleased with me. This is how God made me. This is the way I'm going. Right? We, we just don't do that because, because of this idea of shame. Shame comes from sin and sinfulness. In Genesis 3 verse 7, something happens, right? The eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. It's not that they didn't already know they were naked, church, right? If he can name all the animals, obviously he knows he's naked, right? It, it, it's the shameful part of it. It's the shame that, that comes with this. Both of their eyes were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And when they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden to cool of the day, and the man and the wife, what did they do? They jumped in the bushes. They hid themselves because they were naked? No, because of shame. Because they, they sinned. They knew they sinned. They were guilty of their sin. And they weren't really ready to fess up to their sins. And in verse 7, they, they hid themselves, the Bible says, in verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking, of, of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And we know with that, that's a rhetorical question, 
right? I mean, it also has a little more depth to it, right? I mean, it's not that God didn't know where he was, but God also knew where he was. It was that Adam didn't know where he was. Eve didn't know where she was. Where are you now without me? You're in the bushes. You're, you're covered with shame. Your heart is exposed. You're no longer open to me. Now there's a relationship gap that will never be closed. At least not until Jesus Christ comes. They're hiding in the bushes. This perfect conversation with God. This perfect relationship after the creation of Adam and Eve. And now all of a sudden, God shows up and they're hiding in the bushes. From the same God who done nothing wrong to them, but from the same God and whom they had a perfect relationship with, now they're in the bushes. They're exposed. In verse 10, he said, I, I heard the sound of thee in the garden. How'd you know it was God, Adam? Because we, 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 we talked all the time. We, we had this perfect relationship. See, I, I knew when God was coming to the garden. We knew when God was coming through the garden because we... we we could hear him. It was God. We were excited that God was there. But all that's gone now. All that's gone now. I heard the sound of thee in the garden. And I was a new word. I mean, Adam knows the word. I was afraid. I, 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 was, I was terrified of you, God. Because now I'm exposed and there's sin and there's evil in me and now I see myself for who I really am. And I know you see me for who I am. And that's why I'm hiding in the bushes. I was, I was afraid. I was afraid. Because my sin has found me out. Because I was naked. You've always been naked, Adam. I, Eve, I, I've, I've seen you. I've come in the garden and we've talked for the, however long that time period was in the garden, whatever that may have been, whatever number of years or however long it was. Why all of a sudden is it different? What's different? God, I'm, I'm exposed. And so the man's in the garden. The man is, is hiding himself. And God speaks to them. And the conversation this time is like it's never been before. See, sin is devastating, brother. It destroys all manner of life. It destroys so much. And in verse 11, the text says, And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Now I've got to tell the truth. I'm going to Hebrews for just a moment. Now I have to tell the truth. I, I have to now speak to God and tell God what it is that I have done. What have you done, preacher? It, it's that feeling, you know, we, 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 we read about it. Maybe you've seen it in the movies or wherever it may be. I mean, we portray it in so many ways as a person who does something wrong. And the first thing they try and do is what? Hide their crime, right? hide there, whatever the situation is. Remember one, and no one's found out. And they go to work like everything's fine. And they go home like everything's fine. And they're, they're entertaining their children like everything's fine. Everything's fine until they're exposed. Until their sins are found out. And then everything about the demeanor of that individual who is now exposed and open, now all things have changed. 
Now that their prayer life has changed, they're Christians, uh, uh, they're in the world, their relationships have changed. Even as Christians, our relationships have changed with each other. Our relationships change with God. Everything's changed. Everything's messed up. And what, what's different? We're always exposed to God because God always knows. But it changes when our sins finds us out. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit. God already knows, right? And we know that, don't we? Yeah, we, we know that, that God already knows, but once we are caught, it doesn't change the fact of how we feel. Even though we know God already knows. Not just soul and spirit, but joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And look at verse 13. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And so everything's exposed. Everything's out there. What kind of relationship do you want to have with God? I'm going to Proverbs 28. One that, uh, that's a secret relationship. <laughs> you know, one that, you know, is that relationship where... Um, uh, you know, I, I have a little bit of God and a whole lot of me. Or do you want that relationship with God where you can open up? Where you can just be open, right? And naked and bare. Lord, here I am. This is who I am, God. Not, not accept me for who I am. But Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm changing, Lord. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Sin is so horrific that that it destroys our relationship with the God in whom we, we love. Right? Proverbs 20, uh, 28 and uh, verse, verse 1. Listen to what the Bible says about, about the conscience. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing. Have you ever seen that before? <laughs> that, now that's, that's pretty, that's kind of a funny one. Uh, I've seen that before. Where, you know, so, someone's... Uh, I was driving down the, the uh, what was it? I think it was on uh, Century Avenue in, in Los Angeles, California. And, and um, I was, actually I was parked. And a car just on the street just drove down the road and, and folks started running. And, and it was just a car driving down the street. And, they, and I knew that what had happened, what was going on. Their conscience was pricked because, because once the car passed, they stopped running. There was no one pursuing them, but something they had done messed their conscience up, you see? And so, so they, were, they were naked, you see? They were, they were bare, they were open, they were exposed. Because whatever they did wrong, right, it, made, it made it crystal clear, right? We, we could ask uh, officers, we could say, what, what do you notice different when you go up to someone in a, in a vehicle and, you pull, and they've done something really, really bad? And they'll say, yeah, they're, they're just sweating. You know, you could tell there's something wrong. They're acting strange because their conscience is exposed, you see? And so, sin is so destructive and, and so powerful that it just, it just eats away at us, right? Look, don't, don't, don't lie in your sin, right? Don't just, don't just lay there in it and pretend like nothing's, you know, look, everything's open and bare before God. Make it right with God always, right? Don't, don't just pretend like it's going to go away. It won't go away by itself. 
Now, that word naked, I want to go to Revelation for just a moment. Chapter 3, you, you're familiar with it. Uh, you've read about the church at Laodicea. Uh, listen to what God says about Laodicea. Laodicea is a lukewarm church, and they think they've got it all together, but the problem is they're exposed, right? And, and they don't quite know it yet, but God's going to reveal it to them. And when they finally realize how exposed they are, listen to what God says about them. Revelation 3, verse 17. Because you say, I am rich... And have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And they would say, well, wait, we, we're not, we, wait. Oh, wait, what do you mean by that? And then God explains this to them, right? He makes it clear to them in, in this particular text and other texts throughout the book of Revelation. But he says, you are naked. You are exposed because of your sins. The arrogance and the pridefulness. You know, the more arrogant we are, the, the, the harder the fall is going to be. And we're exposed. And then the next verse says, in verse 18, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, that you may become rich, and white garments, that you may clothe yourself, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and I salve to anoint your eyes, that you may see. And so I'm just trying to show you that, that when God says, uh, who told you you were naked, it's much deeper than just nudity. Because they weren't physically naked, but they were exposed. Right? And that's the one thing we hate, right? We don't, we don't want people, you know, here with conspiracy theory. We don't want anyone to find us out. God said not only will they find you out, but you already have been found out. And so I look at my life and I think about the, the horrificness of, of sin and its devastation. I realize that God, God is trying to keep us away from that which is so destructive in our lives, but sometimes we just, we just don't see it. The difficulties in life came about because of and through sin. So imagine again, there was this perfect relationship. I'm going back to Genesis now uh, in chapter 4, and it, it is sin that, that has brought this amazing uh, separation between God and man. And after the garden, life was, um, life was, will you say, difficult? Right? Unimaginably difficult. Right? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that they were in the, the beauties and blissfulness of, of greatness and perfection and very goodness, right? Very good. And then they were in that and they, they participated in that. And I don't know, I, I started thinking about things like, you know, when they were in the garden, I mean, did, did, did Adam and Eve they ever, ever catch a cold? I mean, I, I don't know, it, it doesn't say, but, but God says it was very good, and so and it was a place of paradise, and it was an amazing spot. And then all of a sudden, what do you, what do you think they saw when, they, when God put them out of the garden, and they, and they were expelled, the cherubims at the gate, and they, and they go out? What do you think they saw outside of the Garden of Eden? Did they even know there was an outside of the Garden of Eden? You know, right? What do you think they saw? You know, you, you better believe that the land was devastatingly different from the land they once knew, right? Thorns and thistles and, and, and just dry dirt and dust. And, I mean, it was a very different place. And they couldn't go back. And that's the one thing about sin, right? Once you let it eat at you and start messing you up, you, you, you'll never be what you used to be. You'll forever be changed and forever be different. How, how much of that do we want in our lives, right? God is God pleased with us to stay away from that, right? Stay away from... From sin. There's another word that, that God used in Genesis 2 uh, that, that I don't know, 
that Adam and Eve had a, a true understanding of what that word meant. Because you know the word death, right? Separation from God, uh, physical death. You know, they, they had never experienced physical death, nor had they ever experienced separation from God. What, what does that even mean? It's a word, okay? Death, I get it. I'm going to be separated from God. But what does that really mean? You, you're going to die, you know, physically. Well, what, what, is, what does that mean? Nothing in the garden died. What does that mean? Genesis 4, verse 8. And Cain told his brother, grabbed his brother, the Bible says, took him out of the field, and he murdered him. Cold blood. Now they understand what death means. Now they understand that painful, keen feeling of separation, destruction, now, now they know what they've done. Now, now they know the, the horrifically devastating feeling of sin and what it's done, not just to them, but what now this also does, although it's in the mind of God from the days of eternity, but now what it does to Jesus Christ. Because now he too must die. Think about that. Do you know what you've done? Uh, not really. You've just murdered my son as your son was just murdered because of your sin. If no one else has sinned on the whole earth, Jesus Christ still must die to save Adam and Eve. Sin is terrible. And can you imagine the feeling of, of mom and dad as they go out there, and this is a day, church, that they lose two children. They lose two sons, right? They lose Abel physically and they lose they lose Cain just one one day one sin and everybody's life is turned upside down just one from sin one sin one event has changed their lives forever God didn't mean for us to live this way church it's not supposed to be this hard but sin has made life devastating. We're not told of the reaction uh, that Adam and Eve have at this moment. We can only uh, understand from our own experiences and our own understanding. But we don't know what they we don't know what they felt. We don't know what, we don't know what happened in their minds. We weren't there. But I'll tell you what, maybe we get a glimpse. I'm not saying this is true. I'm not really sure. But Cain makes a statement when God issues out his punishment. And in verse 13 of Genesis 4, Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, thou hast driven me from this, this day from the face of the ground and from thy face, and I shall be hidden, and I shall be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and it will come about that whoever finds me will kill me. I don't know if that included mom and dad. But here's what I do know. Cain, you're driven away from your mom and your dad as you've been driven away from God. And now Adam and Eve, because of their sin, has made this very good place a place that maybe is not so good. Adam and Eve, because of their sin, have started a movement against God. 
that's going to last until the day that the earth is destroyed. And the movement is a life of sinfulness and rebellion. Adam, what have you done? Do you really realize what you have done? Eve, have you figured it out? And I don't know if they ever figured it out. Because we know now more than we ever could have known back then. Sin is devastating. Horrifically devastating. And God begs us and pleads with us to stay away from it. Because it harms everything. Now we quickly think about, just for a moment, we move, we move in life, right? We move in life from, from a peaceful place, right? A very good place. In the garden was a very good place. It was a place full of peace. The absence of chaos. It wasn't chaos or there wasn't any chaos in the garden. It wasn't a chaotic place. We, we move from love to hatred. Cain hated his brother. Not now they were in the garden, he wouldn't have. In the garden, he wouldn't have hated his brother. But outside of the garden, he hated his brother. We move from love to hate. And then we move to this next part. Everything wrenches, everything tears the heart apart. We move from loyalty to disloyalty. There's a lot to be said about Lamech. But if you will, over uh, in verse 23... And Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me, my voice, uh, your, you wives of Lamech, give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. And if Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. And you go, oh, yeah, like more murder and violence. And, and well, wait a minute, what about loyalty? How, how do, who came up with that idea? Turn to Matthew chapter 19 for just a moment, please. Who came up with that idea, Lamech? Wives of Lamech? Ada and Zillah? Wait, you're supposed to only have one. Who came up with that idea, church? It wasn't Jesus. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't God. God is a loyal God and God expects loyalty. But humanity, because of sin, moves now from loyalty to disloyalty. Jesus says about that in verse 7 of Matthew 19, they said to him, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus could have just said sin, but he, he's very specific about the type of sin. He says in verse 8, he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives but from the beginning, it has not been this way. Not in the beginning. Oh, it was Adam and Eve. And a blissful, peaceful, loving relationship amongst themselves and amongst and with God. What happened to this place that God called very good? Sin. And when sin is in your life, this is what it's doing to you. It's destroying you. It, some things are evident. Some things you can just look into the eyes of an individual and you can see the arrogance and the pride and the, the hatefulness and the, or, or maybe even on the other side, the love of evil and sinful things and the creation of evil. You can see it. And some things are, are hidden, but, 
but in the hearts of people, in the hearts of humanity. What, what causes us? What drives us to be what we are? What, what pushes us beyond our limitations that we have established for ourselves? Is it not sin and revenge? I mean, right now, we're just so vengeful that, I mean, you know, you push me, I'm going to push you back. I mean, the, the idea of tolerance is the wrong kind of tolerance. You don't tolerate sin, right? We, we, learn how, we learn how to live with each other. We learn how to love each other. But that's not what sin brings to us. Sin destroys us. Right? You know, we have, we have diseases that destroy us. Little, little teeny things that, that begin inside of us. Maybe we already have it. We already possess it. And then something keeps it at bay. And then all of a sudden, boom, you find out one day that you have cancer. Terrible words. Terrible thought. Terrible idea. Or you've got some kind of disease that, you, that came because of your, your wickedness, maybe. Something you've done. Right? A consequence. Remember AIDS. Remember that hit, right? And it's, it just eats away at us. That's what sin does, you see. Sin doesn't always expose itself externally, but it eats away at our hearts. It changes us. It, it transforms us. And it, and it makes us into, into hardened people that we maybe never intended to be. Like babies, they don't, they don't intend to be hardened. They're just having fun, enjoying themselves, and living life, and enjoying life. And, and then sometimes a baby, though, you'll notice, as the kids get a little older, they start realizing, wait, I don't think that was right. You know, they start understanding right from wrong. And, and then as they grow to the point of accountability, life has been so tough, uh, tough for them, start realizing sin for what it really is. Sin. Romans, please, chapter, chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. God tells us to do something. And that is to step back, step away. I'm going to come back to this lower next week. Step away. Step away from yourself. Right? And, and look, look to God and say, God, God, what, what do you want? What do you want from me, Lord? You know, you know, Micah 6 has this whole idea. Okay, we're not talking about Micah 6. Lord, okay, I'm not going to go to Micah 6. You know, love, kindness, and justice, and walk, you know, walk holy, humbly with your Lord. God, God, what do you want? Where should I start? You know, you know what the Bible says in Romans? Romans 12 begins with this word, beseech. And you know that's like, it's, you know, the idea of not necessarily implore, but basically what it is, I'm begging you. The Holy Spirit says, I'm begging you. Romans 12 verse 1. By the mercies of God. I'm begging you. See, sin's been eating you alive. Remember Romans 1 started? You know, the whole idea they've, they've forsaken God and, and transferred God over for something that wasn't a God. And they became their own gods, right? And then the Holy Spirit says, I'm begging you. And then, and then in chapter 2, the, the Jews are living their lives and, and their lives aren't right. And they're, they're hypocritical, if you will. And they're judging everyone else. But they themselves are robbing God too and living wicked and evil lives. And then in chapter 3, he just, he just summarizes the whole thing. and says, look, all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no man that, that lives without sin. All of us are just messed up without God. Can you admit that? Is that true? What do you think? We're all messed up, church. 
We all have sin in our lives. We've got to get rid of this sin in our lives. And in chapter 4, he comes with this idea of justification. God's going to justify our sins because of Jesus. And, and he gives us Abraham as an example. In chapter 5, you just keep going and finally you get salvation in chapter 6 and grace in chapter 5. And we jump all the way over to chapter 12 and he says, I'm begging you. Learn from Adam and Eve. I'm begging you by the mercies of God to present yourselves, your bodies. Present your bodies. Not your mind yet. I know the, the mind controls the body, right? It's kind of a twofold idea here. As a living and holy sacrifice to God. So my mind is going to tell my body, we don't do that. We're not living that way. I don't want to be exposed. But when I am exposed, I want it to be purity. My mind tells my body, we don't do those kinds of things. Don't you strike that person. Don't you do that. Don't you fornicate. Don't, you, don't be an adulterer. Don't you do that stuff. Our bodies don't do that. The mind must take control of the body to tell the body we don't do that stuff. The body craves sin, doesn't it? It craves everything. But the mind must be in control of the body and set the boundaries. Sin is devastating, church. God says instead, present your bodies as a holy and living sacrifice, acceptable to God. And this, and this is your, your spiritual or this is your reasonable service, right? God's not asking too much of us. This is what we ought to do. This is the way that we want to live, right, church? Get control of the body. You know, it's not the body. You know what happens in your chest when you do something you ought not do or, or in your heart you feel it. And you Oh, I feel it. Stay away from that stuff. The Holy Spirit says, I'm begging you to do that. And I want you to do something else, church. Be transformed. Renew that mind. Tell that mind we don't do those things. We're not going to live in sin. We don't need to have that inside of us. Verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Adam and Eve, I want you to think about something. Everything here is very good. Our relationship is perfect. What do you say we keep it like that? Okay, God, yeah, sure. Until, until they lost control of their minds. And they let their mind dictate the evil in their lives when she saw the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and able to make one wise she ate and gave to her husband and he ate both of them messed up and their life was never ever the same tonight the lesson is yours when we find ourselves in sin which sin? all sin your life will never be the same Stay away from it. That's what God is begging us to do. Sin is horrifically devastating. 
But church, we don't have to live in sin. We can live contrary to sin. We can make every effort to stay away from sin. But I've got to check myself to do that, right? We choose to sin. We choose to hate. We choose to love. We choose loyalty. We choose disloyalty. And I'm asking you tonight what the Holy Spirit begs us to do. Choose perfection. Stay away from sin. Give your life to God. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, we invite you to do that, to surrender your life to God in the waters of baptism, that God might wash all of your sins away. Tonight, if you're a child of God and you're struggling in your walk of faith, give it to God and let God take away your sin and let God make everything new again. If we can help in any way, please come. While together, we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come? Thank you.